Hello everybody, thank you so much for joining us uh, here at Word of Faith Global Ministries on our Wednesday night live stream service that we have every single week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, those of you that are joining me online on our Facebook channel as well as our YouTube channel and those on our podcasts. Welcome, welcome to another uh, wonderful night of live stream. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, we so appreciate it every time you tune in. And we cannot even thank you enough for sharing these messages. Our podcast uh, um, option is actually uh, gaining momentum. So praise be to God for that. So if you want to listen to us uh, via podcast rather than uh, YouTube or Facebook, you can go ahead and do so. You can find us at Word of Faith Global Ministries and it's Miami, Florida. You can find us there in those platforms as well. I'm going to get right into it this evening because I have a lot to share with you and I'm super excited about this message. And um, I'll kind of explain it as I go along, but um, I wrote down in my notes and I'll say it right off the bat that I'm not going to finish this message today. It's going to be an ongoing message, maybe in two parts. I'll have to weigh it out and see how the Lord begins to develop this uh, very timely and I believe very powerful topic of conversation. So um, I, I want to uh, basically started off by uh, letting you know that I recently had um, a conversation, a very brief conversation with a couple of our ministers uh, at our church recently on Sunday before service. And we touched on a topic that uh, we, as we discussed, it's, it's not, it's seldom taught on or seldom uh, touched on in, in mainstream churches and, and things like that. But I did recall that we had a series on this same topic some time ago, but I really felt compelled in my heart. I remember having this conversation with um, our ministers, uh, Tish and Hilda at our church, and they'll remember this conversation because I said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go jot this down in my reminder so I don't forget. So as the Lord began to stir in my heart this uh, topic, I wanted to bring it up. Uh, for us as a reminder, a fresh reminder. And, and, and as the Lord began to, uh, really the Holy Spirit began to just stir in my heart certain topics about this main topic, I wanted to bring it to you today. So I've entitled the message, uh, The Blood, The Name, and The Word. The Blood, The Name, and The Word. And that's what we're going to be discussing throughout maybe a couple of weeks as the Lord would lead. Um, there is something so incredibly powerful about the human blood. I don't know if you've ever actually thought about that. Um, but as I began to prepare this message, I thought, wow, there is, there's such a, a profound uh, and lengthy study if you try to study the blood, uh, the human blood, but I do find it very fascinating that the blood in our bodies have so many functions. If you begin to Google a little bit about it, you'll it, it's very extensive. It's incredibly extensive. And I, I always have to pause and think of how God, our Creator, the, the creator of the universe, the, cre the one who built our bodies out of dust, 
is he he is God is just so amazing. Uh, if you begin to try to even study, I know obviously doctors, scientists study the human body, but the human body is so complex, and so it is with our blood, our human blood. Uh, but but the blood has a lot a lot of functions. You know, on a side note. When I recently took a trip to Spain, Pastor and I have the, had the uh, privilege and the honor to go on a, on a little vacation we hadn't had for a few years and we, we visited Spain, I felt this incredible, strong connection uh, in Spain. And there were certain parts of Spain that I felt a stronger connection than in others. But especially when I began to hear some of the history involved um, uh, with that, and I shared it with our congregation not too long ago. But there was something that I felt um, a very strong connection when I saw, for example, uh, for example, there was a, a flamenco uh, a dancer that we saw several times. It was a Taolao, what they call the Taolao uh, show. And also when I heard about the Jewish connection and the Jewish history there as well. Uh, it's very rich in history, so I, I encourage you to check that out when you have an opportunity. But there's, it's, it was evident to me that there was a blood connection, a blood connection. My ancestors, I, my grandmother on my mother's side, for example, was from Galicia, Galicia, from Spain. And so as I was talking to my mom about some of these uh, histories in my background, I began to realize why there was such a connection there. And I believe that it has something to do with our blood. If you recall in Genesis, God told Cain that his brother Abel's blood was crying out to him from the ground. If you recall that in the book of Genesis. So it seems to me that blood has a voice. Blood has a voice. Uh, Hebrews 12, 24 actually says, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks. Look how interesting that is. If we begin to study some of these verses, it'll bring us some revelatory uh, things, but to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Wow, I could I could spend just a few long minutes on just that one verse. We're going to go through certain verses today um, as time uh, uh, gives us. Uh, we're going to go through some of those verses. But he, I'm going to repeat it again, Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks. It's talking about Jesus' blood that speaks. And then it goes on to say a better word than the blood of Abel. Again, if you rewind, remember that God says to Cain that Abel's blood was crying out to him, crying out to him. Wow, that's pretty fascinating, don't you think? So it is reported that red blood cells emit sound waves. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but perhaps with a with a frequency high, too high for the human ear to hear, but it emits sound nonetheless. In an article from Science Daily dated back in July of 2013, it states and I quote here that 
new research reveals that when red blood cells are hit with laser light, they produce high frequency sound waves that contain a great deal of information. Watch what it says after that. It says, similar to the ways one can hear the voices of different people and identify who they are, investigators reporting in the July 2nd issue of Biophysical Journal published by Cell Press could analyze the sound waves produced by red blood cells and recognize their shape and size. The infra information may aid in the development of simple tests for blood-related diseases. I don't know about you, but I find that absolutely fascinating. Fascinating to, to think that red blood cells have a, a higher pitch than we can hear with our natural ears and that they can actually determine any blood-related diseases. So it has a voice. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? So I want to begin today with some foundational, two in particular foundational scriptures that I want to go over today and that's the first one is found in 2 Corinthians 10 3 through 6 and it says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds verse 5 says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your when your obedience is complete now if you go to Ephesians 6 10 through 12 we are given a description of the armor of God and the notion that we don't wrestle against the material but rather the spiritual we don't wrestle against material we don't wrestle against people per se we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but rather the spiritual amen are you with me so far so these verses read finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might this is Ephesians 6 10 through 12 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places so we see that Ephesians 6 is describing an armor to be used and in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 that we just read, we're given a glimpse into the spiritual realm. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, as I just said, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. It is a common theme throughout scripture that there are relatively three main weapons imparted to and available for the believer in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now this is for the believer. This is for those that have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And these main weapons are powerful in defeating the enemy 
our flesh and the evils of this world. How many of us would like to know what those are? Amen? They are the blood, the name of Jesus, and the Word of God. Say that with me. The blood, the name of Jesus, and the Word of God. And these are topics of discussion that we talk about in our church in particularly all the time. And I believe that it is one that we need reminding of consistently. It is something that we need to study on, ponder on, uh, reflect on, uh, uh, be able to take uh, for ourselves to understand that these are weapons of our warfare that we can use to defeat the enemy, to defeat our own flesh, and to defeat the evils of this world. Are you with me so far? Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. Okay, so that's what we're going to be covering uh, over the next couple of weeks, okay? Uh, these weapons are spiritual in nature. Uh, in other words, it's not necessarily something that we can hold on to. It's not a tangible thing. These are spiritual per se in nature. Um, uh, uh, and, and extremely powerful, okay? More, more powerful than any other weapon that you can think of. It's more powerful than a knife and a gun or any other kind of weapon that you can think of. Why? Because it is based on God. It is based on the Word of God and it is, again, spiritual in nature, okay? It it's difficult to comprehend or even try to explain how the blood of Jesus, how his name and his word can be used to overpower and triumph over anything that comes against us and his word. It's, it's a little bit difficult to try to put into words, but we're going to try to do that today and in the next couple of weeks. We know from scripture that there are three levels of spirit rebels that operate in the kingdom of darkness. We see that through the word, especially through the scriptures we just read. But for example, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits and cosmic powers in high places, for example. Uh, the same way that in the earthly realm there, there are hierarchies, hierarchies, it is also the case in the spiritual realm, in the spirit realm. We have to understand that and try to wrap our minds around that so that we can then bring it into the natural to be able to defeat those spiritual um, uh, 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 darkness, uh, for, for example. These spiritual influencers are responsible for inflicting sickness, right? Oppressing and influencing humankind to do evil. They entice man to act in hatred and in violence. And if we see across our world today, that is exactly what's been taking place. That's exactly what has taken place really from the very beginning. As you know, Cain was motivated by evil. He was motiva motivated to kill his brother Abel. And he did so as a matter of fact. So these spirits work in the realm of the flesh. They want to impose fear. They want to impose confusion. They want to impose 
angst and every other emotion that's associated with evil, every other thing that is uh, against what God brings in His Word, as we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So the enemy does the opposite of what God wants to uh, bring upon our life. So whenever we uh, want peace, the enemy wants to bring uh, angst, for example, or anxiety, or fear, or all sorts of other emotions to come against what God wants to bring to us. Amen? So we understand that. We need to understand that it was necessary for Christ to come in human form. In, in a body, in, in this, in flesh and blood, in order to defeat the enemy and prove to uh, prove that mankind can conquer hell, death, and the grave by our obedience to the Heavenly Father. Amen. So, for the purpose of today's teaching, I want to read you an excerpt um, from a very insightful book by uh, Perry Stone called The Mystery, uh, Mystery of the Priesthood and the Blood. And I'm going to read you just a couple of pages here because I find this very insightful for our study tonight. And I'm going to read you here. It says, um, this is talking about the blood of Jesus. The divine purpose of Christ was to become flesh and dwell, and dwell among us, John 1, 4. Uh, four levels of um, spirit rebels operate in the kingdom of Satan. And we just read that a moment ago, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits in high places. I'll move down here. It says, um, as uh, he says, Satan led a heavenly rebellion long before Adam was created. This insurrection occurred at the temple of God in heaven where God is worshipped and the sacred menorah, Ark of the Covenant, and Golden Altar are located. And these are some references for you. I'll just shoot them out so I can continue to move on. I'm going to read these scripture verses that he refers to here in some of these quotes that I'm giving you just so that if you're taking notes, you can jot them down and go back to them later, but I won't read the scriptures. But Revelation 1, 12, 8 and 3 and 11 and 19. Since the temple of heaven was defiled by the first sin of pride and rebellion, it was necessary for the heavenly temple to be cleansed by blood. You can see in Hebrews 9.23, created beings in heaven ministering spirits, Hebrews 1.14, Cherubim, Ezekiel 10, 2 through 9, and Seraphim, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, all have spirit bodies. These angelic creatures have the ability to travel fast, faster than lightning, Ezekiel 1, 14, and have no limitations on their ability to move through the universe at the speed of thought. He says here there are invisible they are invisible to the human eye and can move through solid objects just as Christ could after his body bodily resurrection. Some Hebrew teachers believe that angels consist of three elements: fire, wind, and light. Go, moving on, there is one substance that no heavenly created being has, however, and that is blood. That is blood. Jesus said, a spirit does not have flesh and bones, Luke 24, 39. The apostle Paul indicated that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. 
Blood is the life-giving force to human flesh, Leviticus 17.11. Why was it necessary then for the heavenly temple and the sacred heavenly furniture to be purified with blood, but not the blood of goats and bulls, the main offerings on the Day of Atonement? This is super fascinating, so I hope you are listening close to what he's explaining here. It says, the answer is that blood was a life substance. Without blood, no sacrificial animal or human can live. Many diseases in the human body are connected to the blood. Often, blood transfusions can save the life of a person. Once the heart quits pumping blood through the body, death sets in and the body eventually deteriorates and returns to the dust. The Bible says, God gave blood on the altar for an atonement for your souls, Leviticus 7 to 17, 11. Paul revealed that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, Hebrews 9, 22. Therefore, blood was necessary for two reasons. It costs the shedding of innocent blood to redeem the life of the guilty. This transfer of guilt from the guilty to the innocent is a part of the atonement. The word atone means to cover, appease, purge, and reconcile. God himself provided the pattern of covering sin when he slew two animals used to used the uh, and used the skins to cover Adam and Eve. You'll remember that in, in uh, the book of Genesis. This was a future picture of how the death of an animal would cover the sins of the sinner who would offer a blood offering to God. Yet, animal offerings were merely a picture of the ultimate offering that occurred when God sent Christ to die for us. Now I've got just a little more here to read because I found it really necessary for this uh, study to bring this to light. The question is, why did God send his own son? Wouldn't any righteous person be sufficient to lay down his life? According to the Bible, Abel, the second son of Adam, offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. In jealousy, Cain killed Abel and shed his blood in the soil. Abel's blood cried out to God from the ground. You can find that in Genesis 4.10. However, Abel's blood was not sufficient to make atonement for Adam and Eve. The reason is that through Adam, sin passed down to all mankind. In the process of conceiving, it takes the seed of a man to produce the chromosomes needed for the development of a child. Thus, if Adam's blood was tainted with the sin nature, then, the, then that blood is passed down from generation to generation in all men. 1 Corinthians 15.22 Therefore, no child born through the seed of a man would be the sufficient and final atonement for humanity. <laughs> wow! This is why Christ was born of the Virgin. The seed used to form Jesus in the womb of Mary was the seed of the word of God. John 1, 1 through 14. Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Therefore, the blood in Christ's body was not tainted with the sin of the first Adam. Did you get that? 
This made Christ the only person in the history of mankind to have blood that was sufficient to be the final sacrifice for all mankind. This is why we're told that believers overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Revelation 12:11. The sacrifice of Christ is complete and the blood has been placed on the furniture in the heavenly temple. I'll I'll end that by reading Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. And it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption that's hebrews 9 11 through 12 so my goodness uh wow i i hope you I, even though i'm trying to read this fast to try to get in as much information as i can with this message tonight i wanted to read those pages to you because it brings to light the purpose the 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 power of the blood of christ so now we see how incredibly powerful the blood of jesus is is there is no other blood like Jesus in the entire universe can somebody shout amen to that hallelujah so I want to share some additional scriptures pertaining to the blood of Jesus for the for you note takers to jot down Ephesians 2 13 but now in Christ Jesus who once were far out you but let me go back. Sorry, I'm trying to read this fast here. Okay. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You've been brought near by what? The blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by what? The blood of Jesus. That's how we can enter boldly like the Bible says into the very throne of grace Hebrews 12 24 and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel we just touched on that a moment ago how blood had the, the blood has a voice Hebrews 13 20 now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 1.2 According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Uh, just a few more here. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow. 1 John 5 and 6 <clears throat> says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. 
And lastly here, Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. By what? By his blood. By his blood. How amazingly powerful is the blood of Jesus that it can free us it can free us. It can cleanse us from our sins. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. That surely excites me. And, and we have to try to wrap our minds around this. That, that Jesus' blood is so powerful that it has the ability to do these things that we're going to go over in just a minute. So we apply the blood of Jesus by faith. And by our confession. Amen. This goes in line with our confessing the word of God. Our declaring. Our decreeing the word of God. The word of God over us. The word of God over our children. Over our family. Over our situation. Hallelujah. Now keep in mind that we are speaking again here of spiritual weapons. Spiritual things. What am I saying? What I want us to understand is that when the enemy tries to attack, when he makes his feeble attempt to accuse us, we can then counter attack by showing him the blood of the lamb and what? The word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. There's so much power in the blood and in the word in the word of God and in the word of our testimony. You know, while writing this message, I actually came across a comment that I journaled um, and I was reminded of uh, something that happened to me years ago. I was going through a really difficult time in my life and I was praying hard, really hard about the situation. Uh, I, I found myself in... I'm not going to say in a, in a depressed mode, but I was very down and I was trying, I was trying to pray it through and it was really difficult to, to get through that, that, uh, um, that portion of, of my life and that, that time in my life. Um, one day I just felt the Lord stir something really strong in my, in my spirit. And all of a sudden I, it, it says I, I became like a lioness. And I, and I went to war. I was reminded, or I, as I was preparing this and I was remembering that time because I journaled it and I was like, wow, I do remember that. That's why it's so important to journal things um, that happen in your life. And <clears throat> I remember in the movie uh, War Room, y'all remember there, there was that one scene where Priscilla Shire just goes to war in her house. She's by herself and she just begins to pray out loud and she begins to tell the enemy to to leave uh, her house and that she was praying over her family and her marriage but anyway it was something like that and this was before a uh, war room uh, even came out on the movies but anyway i i felt a, a really strong 
stirring in my heart and I know that this had to do with God just stirring this in my heart and, and the Holy Spirit and I just began to march around my house again just like that movie I was I found myself by myself and I was praying and I began to march around my house and confess God's word out loud I told the enemy that the blood of Jesus rendered him useless I lifted up my hand I remember lifting up my right hand and in an act of faith I, I just went like this. I remember going like this up in the air. And I it, it's as if I was showing him Jesus' blood. And I told him to flee in the mighty name of Jesus. And I was just saying that the blood of Jesus rendered the enemy useless. And he had to flee from my mind and from my heart and from my emotions and all of this. And I just began to pray. And I, I prayed in tongues for a while and uh you know as 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 uh as i began to pray to the lord in my uh heavenly language but at the same time in my native tongue i told the enemy to flee and i told him that the blood of jesus rendered him useless and do you know what happened at that very moment i literally i kid you not ladies and gentlemen i literally sensed the enemy bolt it, it was as if that pressure, that heaviness, that burden, uh, that fog, that confusion that I felt just lifted. I sensed a peace that began to overwhelm me and everything fell into place right after that. It was powerful, it was spiritual and I felt it in the natural. It was absolutely one of the most powerful moments that I've had in my prayer time in my life. That, my friend, is the power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is pure. The blood of Jesus is holy. And the enemy is afraid of it. The enemy fears the blood of Jesus. Can somebody shout amen to that? Hallelujah. This isn't something mystical. This is scriptural. Amen. So here's what I want to go over. There is cleansing power in the blood of Jesus. Cleansing power in Jesus' blood. Like we read a minute ago, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his, uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. Christ's blood, I want you to jot that down too. Christ's blood has the power to bring us into fellowship with God. Christ's blood has the power to bring us into fellowship with God. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. The other point I want to make is that his blood is a redemptive power. Jesus' blood is a redemptive power. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as 
silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So his blood is a redemptive power. Also, Jesus' blood is the bridge for mankind to make peace with God. Colossians 1:20 and through him to and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross wow that's powerful the blood of jesus gives power over the devil we read that just a minute in revelation 12:11 and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death hallelujah hallelujah aren't you glad for that so i want you to <clears throat> understand that we cannot be and shouldn't be apprehensive about applying the blood of jesus uh, 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 of the blood of Jesus by faith and confessing the word of God or declaring the word of God over our situation. Decreeing, like I said a minute ago, these verses, for example, is a way of confessing scripture by faith. And we're going to go over that um, uh, in the next uh, segment on uh, the word of God as well and the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Remember, the blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing in the universe and I don't want you to um, forget that we also cannot take his blood for granted we cannot take just like I mentioned a few Sundays ago we cannot take grace for granted we cannot take his blood for granted as well we cannot trample on the blood of Jesus you know there is uh, so much so much involved that uh, in, in this topic about the blood of Christ that we could be here for months on end and not even really begin to scratch the surface of the importance of the blood of Christ and what it really means from the very beginning uh, of time and of the book of Genesis and how God instituted initiated the uh, covering like we said the atonement um, for Adam and Eve from the very beginning of the sin of mankind all through scripture and up until the shedding of Christ's blood there is so much involved in that there is so much in that that again we just can't even begin to scratch the surface of that topic but I'm going to attempt to try as we did uh, tonight uh, hopefully we can try to get into that uh, just a little bit deeper in the next couple of, of segments and in the next couple of weeks. But I want us to uh, try to read scripture when it comes to, uh, you know, the sacrifices that they did in the Old Testament and what um, the Israelites had to bring uh, to God and, uh, you know, the Day of Atonement and things of that nature. So I want us to try to wrap our minds around that so that we can see that all of those things, uh, those uh, things that were initiated in that time were all a picture of what was to occur once and for all with the shedding of Christ's blood. And that those um, animal sacrifices uh, really did not do what the blood of Christ actually did.
Amen. And so that's what I want us to wrap our minds around in the next couple of segments. So we're going to end it for here. I, I hope what I've done tonight is just give you a little bit of a taste and kind of like when you watch uh, some of those series on whether it's Netflix or Prime Video or wherever it is that you watch some series and then you have uh, the next one that uh, you have to watch because it left you kind of hanging on the one of the um, episodes. That's what I want to do. I want to keep you hanging. And why? Because I want you to come back next week and I want you to really have a spirit of expectation that you're going to learn something new. Amen. Because that's how I, I love to teach that way. But at the same time, I love to I love to study the word of God that way. It's almost like, all right, what's the next episode going to say? What's the next scripture going to reveal? What's the next word that God has for us? And, uh, and we grow. That's how we grow in, in God's word and in our relationship with him. Amen. So I want to just thank you for joining us this evening. I want to give you an opportunity, as we always do, that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and perhaps someone's shared this message with you um, this evening, you know, uh, being born and raised in Miami, uh, many of you that are Miamians can relate and maybe some of you that are from the islands can relate. Uh, there's so many religions out there. There's so many <clears throat> cultures where um, blood sacrifices are still uh, being done. And uh, it is believed in many of these uh, religions that these uh, blood sacrifices do a certain thing. And I'll have you know that those blood sacrifices and those uh, things that uh, people practice in those religions, they don't mean anything. They are, they are just religion. They are just um, uh, things that really, if you look at the Word of God, they are an abomination to God. And so those rituals and those things that are practiced in other religions when it comes to blood sacrifices don't mean a thing. <clears throat> the blood of Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. And so I want you to understand if you are listening to this message, perhaps this message was shared to you by a friend or a family member. And maybe you have a friend that believes in those uh, or is in that uh, those type of religions. And there's a lot involved in that. I don't even want to mention some of the names because we could be here forever. But I want you to understand that it is only through Jesus Christ that we can make it to heaven, that we can be before the Heavenly Father, the Creator. Amen. Uh, once and for all, once we close our eyes here on this earth. And so if you um, have a tendency to believe some of the superstitions or some of the uh, rituals that you may have been involved in, or maybe some of your friends are involved in, I have news for you. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come through the Father, to the Father except through Him. Not through any other ritual, not through any other sacrifice, not through any other prayer except the prayer of salvation. And so I'm going to lead you into that this evening. And if you'd like to join me in that prayer, I would, I would love to invite you to pray this prayer, and we would love to pray for you. So if that's you, would you just say, Father in heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I need your grace, and I need your forgiveness. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus Christ is your Son, the one who you sent 
to die on a cruel cross and to be raised again on the third day and is now seated at your right hand, Heavenly Father. So I ask you to forgive my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and I promise to live for you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray, amen and amen. Now I'll have you know that if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're rededicating your life to Christ and you pray that again, you have a place in heaven and Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven because you've committed your life to Christ. And so I would encourage you to find a good Bible-believing church, one that is Holy Spirit-filled. If you're in the city of Miami, we invite you to come and visit our church at Word of Faith Global Ministries. We're located in the city of Miami Springs. And we would love for you to connect with us. Send us an email, send us a message, and letting us know that you've committed your life to Christ. And we would love to pray for you and for whatever special need you might have. So thank you again for joining us tonight. I would love for you to share this message with your friends and with your family. We never know who you're going to reach when you share these messages. So we so appreciate that. So God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance over you. And may he give you shalom, peace. God bless you as you go your separate way today. We will see you very soon. Take care.